Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Women in Compliance podcast hosted by my co-host Lisa Fine and me, Mary Shirley. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing a great woman in compliance that I met not long after I moved to Boston, as she uh, joined a, many of our networking sessions that Matt Kelly and I run out here in Boston. So if you've not heard of those yet, and you live in the wider Boston area and might be interested in joining us, um, it's not a very regularized schedule. It's kind of whenever Matt and I get a feeling in our waters that we haven't had one in a while and decide that it's about time we ran another one. Uh, so our next one is um, at the time of recording coming up in the middle of June, which will be after this goes to air. So watch this space if you're keen and get in touch if you've got any questions. So welcome, Jill. Please tell us about yourself, your background. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you for having me. Um, so I am uh, a lawyer by training. Um, but I uh, jumped into compliance shortly after uh, graduating law school, um, knowing that I was very interested in that space and that field. Um, mm -hmm. So started in the life sciences industry and have spent most of my compliance uh, career in that in that space, did a short stint with uh, a large teaching hospital, mm -hmm. uh, but have really been with life science companies, mo almost exclusively med device, except for a short stint at a large pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm currently with a, I'd say a small a rather new company called uh, Achille Interactive, um, and they are in the prescription digital therapeutic space, which is also a relatively new space as well. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, everything that I say today are my own thoughts and don't represent mm -hmm. that of Achille. That makes absolute sense. Um, and it's interesting that Achille is in sort of digital tech space because without context, I was like, oh, that sounds like a video game company. That sounds really cool. Um, and mm -hmm. in fact, there is that sort of... Um, connotation in, in terms of the, the type of work that you do. Yes. Um, awesome. So today we have, um, I think particularly for this podcast, um, more of a somber um, topic and approach. Today we wanted to discuss uh, culture and doing the right thing when it comes to internal stakeholders. Um, for those of you who are regular listeners, you may recall that we've previously canvassed doing the right thing when it comes to external stakeholders, and that's especially as it relates to the uh, job hunting process. If you're interested in checking that out and you haven't heard about it yet, um, go into the back catalogue to look up Jared Knapp's uh, bonus episode, and I think there is a merry rant on this in my uh, last soliloquy episode as well. Um, Jill, you unfortunately have a devastating story to share with us, which has some lessons in empathy. Will you talk about what happened and where you see the opportunities for an employer in these types of situations? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and thank you for holding this space for me. And mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that need to take a moment, um, this what I'm about to say will mention baby loss. So if, if this isn't safe for you, mm -hmm. please feel free to stop listening. Um, but I, my husband and I had struggled to get pregnant for a long time and we wound up having to go through fertility treatments um, for, for several years to, to get pregnant. 
And in September of 2020, we finally were lucky enough to become pregnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a very stressful pregnancy for me personally. I spent most of the pregnancy not sure, very feeling unsure of myself, feeling like something was wrong, but not knowing what possibly could be wrong. Um, when you go, you know, for your regular appointments, they always check the heartbeat and they always said your daughter's heartbeat is great. Everything seems wonderful. Um, when we went for our 20 week anatomy scan, um, we found out that things weren't so great. And our, our daughter had, uh, severe brain malformations. Um, we did a lot of testing and got a lot of opinions Mm -hmm. to try to get as much information as possible. Um, she had a very severe brain malformation called rhomboencephalosynapsis, um, and it, it wasn't going to be a good life for her um, if she were to make it full term. But uh, our care team was very clear to us that they were surprised at, at that point when I was about 22 weeks pregnant, that they were surprised she was even still alive at that point. Um, ultimately, just a couple days shy of me being six months pregnant, I delivered our daughter, Hadley, um, Hadley Maeve. Um, mm. She uh, was born... Um, alive, but passed shortly after she was born alive. Um, and, and again, I delivered her, I was in the hospital with her, um, went through labor and delivery. Um, the day after I delivered Hadley, uh, this was in February of 2021. I sent a message to my boss at the time, uh, letting her know that, uh, I, my daughter was born the day before. And unfortunately she, she didn't make it. And my boss responded, uh, with a text and said she was sorry and that I could have my five days of bereavement leave. Um, and I was just in complete shock that that was the actual response that I received and felt Mm -hmm. at a complete loss. Mm -hmm. Um, this was a Saturday, so I just didn't respond and just Mm -hmm. sat with the information because I was still in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I was released on Sunday and on Monday morning, I sent a message to my HR business partner essentially outlining what had happened, same situation. And her response was, so sorry for your loss. Unfortunately, I'm not the right member of HR. Uh, You need to contact this other group within HR Mm. and they can get you the information you need. Mm. Um, And I can assure you my mental space wasn't in one that I was going to be emailing person after person trying to figure out what I needed Mm. to do to take leave. Mm. And so I found my way through our portal and eventually found the paperwork I needed to submit for short-term disability mm-hmm. um, and used, you know, my doctor's reference note and the information I had and submitted it. And, and it was approved, but the fact that I had to go through so many hoops to get to that point mm-hmm. was really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back from the office, it was six weeks later, which personally for me was not enough time. Um, mm-hmm. But I took the time to send a very lengthy email to the same HR business partner explaining how I thought the company could do better Mm. when it comes to a person going through something like I did. Mm. Um, At the time I was with a pretty large company and pregnancy, uh, miscarriage, pregnancy, infant loss is actually really quite common, Mm -hmm. although people don't always talk about it. So I Mm -hmm. knew that they had many people going through this, whether it was a birthing person going through mm-hmm. it or their partner. And that mm-hmm. whether you are the birthing person or the partner, you do need support and you need, you know, you need something mm-hmm. to get through. And so I outlined things that I thought the company could do better on around mm-hmm. leave and support, and even mentioned things about fertility treatments and, you know, just simple ways that you could help support your staff and your employees when it comes to these types of activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I got no response 
uh, a couple weeks later, I followed up and got the same response as previously, which was, thanks so much for sharing. I'm not the right person. I'll send it along. Mm-hmm. About a month later, I followed up again mm-hmm. and, and clearly said, hey, I'm happy to give any information I can, talk to anybody I can to help push this forward. I'm not the only person that has or will go through this. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it better for other people. Um, and I did not get a response. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say for me personally, at that point, I started to shut down in terms Mm -hmm. of just being a a valuable employee at the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately that was really those, those interactions were why I I ultimately made the decision to leave the company because I just couldn't get past those moments and those moments of feeling like I wasn't being supported at my weakest time and at my Mm -hmm. worst time of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's plenty that I think employers can do to help support their staff when they're going through a really difficult time, right? What I went through was incredibly traumatic, Mm -hmm. but people go through traumatic things all the time, whether it is perhaps a cancer diagnosis or losing a sibling or a parent Mm -hmm. or a really bad car accident. There are many things that people go through that I think there are ways that companies can support their employees in ways that are completely manageable, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's when you email a manager and you say, Hey, this is what happened. That manager taking the initiative and finding all the paperwork that they need, finding all the support that they need and and reaching back out to the employee and saying, here's all the paperwork you need to fill out. So you can take a leave of absence if that's what you need, or, Hey, I've already talked to HR and take the time that you need. We'll figure out the paperwork as it comes in and and just being supportive in in that sense and not making a person go on a wild goose chase, trying Mm. to figure out what they need to do, who they need to talk to, what paperwork they need, just getting that information for them, especially if you're in a position that you can, you're in a good headspace, do something positive like that to help your employee and step up and and Mm -hmm. really support them. Um, I I think also is, is just offering them, you know, better leave policies. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think something I've talked about with other people is, when you lose a child, especially if it's, you know, a stillbirth or a Mm late-term pregnancy that you're losing, uh, my honest opinion would be to offer them a full paternity leave because it is a very painful situation. Mm -hmm. In many cases, the person is still going through labor and delivery, so they do need to heal physically. But Mm -hmm. two, when you leave the hospital in those situations, you leave with a a box in your arms and not a child. And that's really, really Mm -hmm. traumatic. And Mm -hmm just to give them the time to be able to heal emotionally. They're not going to be 100% mm-hmm. even after six months or, or however much time you can offer mm-hmm. them, but offering them something I think really goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think I've even seen some companies post even offering miscarriage leave as well and mm-hmm. saying in writing they ha- offer you know two weeks leave for a miscarriage or, or mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit more. But I think that's really important because I think one in four pregnancies will end in a miscarriage and that's really high. And to think how many women go through that and just kind of brush it under the rug and maybe take a sick day mm-hmm. and then think, well, I better go back tomorrow. This is no big deal. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through it. Um, I, I think to have better policies in place would really go a long way. And I think when the empl- when your employee is coming back to the office, mm-hmm. if you could offer them the option, I know in today's world, a lot of companies still offer the option to work from home, but maybe for your employees that are coming back from some type of loss or traumatic event, mm-hmm. if you don't have permanent work from home, offer them the option to come back in that way. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, why don't you for the first month, why don't you just come back as a full full work from home, take your time, 
kind of ease back into it mm-hmm. or perhaps offer a flexible schedule if that's something also that you could offer instead. But I think mm-hmm. offering some of these options when somebody's going through something really painful, really traumatic, mm-hmm. I think really does go a long way to just make mm-hmm. the person feel a little bit more supported in their work mm-hmm. environment. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the tangible, actionable ideas that you've given, Jill. I'm so sorry that we're in the situation that you've um, had to do an episode based not only on, of course, the um, the the loss that was, you know, you, the the primary tragedy here for you, but then the follow on of right. how you were treated. So, you know, you and I spoke um um, closer to the time of this happening. And I, I don't want to, um, you know, go over too much of, of what, what we, you know, already conversed about, but I did just want to reiterate on behalf of Lisa and myself, we so feel for you, um, in, in this, uh, I know, uh, from our own personal conversations, how much it meant to you getting pregnant and the, um, the, the hopes that you had for your motherhood based on yes. um, trying for a lengthy period um, and finally getting the good news and to have that taken away from you so brutally is horrible. Thank um, you. I, I hold out hope for your future and I'm here to support you in any way that you need uh, and would like. Um, in terms of some of these items and, and not to diminish the very seriousness of this, but I, I think, you know, this is a wider issue in, in terms of customer service as well. So in compliance, I would be pretty annoyed if one of my team members wrote to someone, you know, a, about a compliance question and were like, well, you know, we're the training team um, and you're asking about the due diligence process, go find someone who can tell you about due diligence. Absolutely. And, right. Like good customer service should have been something along the lines of, oh, um, allow me to either, you know, check with my colleague about that specific question um, or, you know, start a new email and introduce the relevant stakeholders and say so-and-so from the business is looking for an answer about the due diligence process. Um, I wish I could help more on this, but I know that you, Bugs Bunny, are the better you know, the the subject matter expert in this area. So I wanted to connect you so that you could continue the conversation. Um, And it strikes me as particularly upsetting that um, that courtesy wasn't shown to you um, in a time where, as you commented, you're not in the right frame of mind. Um, But in any event, why should you fluff around the intranet looking for Um, the right person. This is not a game of where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. We are here as professionals to help each other. Um, And I think that goes double, triple, you know, infinite times over when someone is experiencing, as you mentioned, um, the worst time in your life. So showing more empathy there. um, And practically there were steps that could have been taken not necessarily even to lessen your pain, but to lighten your load, that the burden could have been taken off you of running around doing admin when you didn't need to be doing it. So, um, you know, beyond the reputational risk, beyond the concept of doing the right thing, there are lessons learned for us in compliance here in terms of reminding ourselves that being a good business partner 
is not about saying that's not my job. Even if it literally isn't your job, so often there are things that we can do to espouse kindness in the office, understanding and showing a colleague that they are more than just a widget in the process, that they are a human being who is going through something that perhaps you can't imagine, perhaps you can't put yourself in those shoes, but you should be human enough to understand that what they need is caring and compassion, not red tape, not inhumane policies. Um, and so I'm grateful to you for highlighting this. I hope it strikes a chord um, and and helps guide uh, some of the uh, colleagues that we may have who may have to figure out what to do. And I will say that as someone who's not a mother myself, um, it, it is possibly tricky for me to understand how as a colleague I might be able to best support someone going through this loss. So I'd love to hear from you, Jill. We've talked about uh, the company response, but what about for those of us who are colleagues and, you know, you referred to other tragedies as well. So um, for me, I learned in recent years what it was like to lose a parent and I didn't appreciate exactly what that feels like until I was in that position. Now I feel a little bit better educated about what um, a colleague who may be experiencing that kind of loss, um, what can be done to uh, help, um, what's the right word really, um, to help uh, be a good support to them in, in that situation. But um, can you give us, um, as a, a person who's totally different and experiencing something totally different, what would you have liked from colleagues? How could colleagues um, who really want to be good team players, who want to show their love for you as um, a peer, what can colleagues do? Sure. I think, you know, I think in the in the early days, uh, if somebody shares something with you like this, right, that they just lost, they lost a child or something like that. It's sometimes the little things that go a long way, right? So, you know, you send your condolences, you say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And maybe you think, okay, I'm going to send flowers. I can assure mm -hmm. you, we get plenty of flowers. An alternative <laughs> there, mm -hmm. perhaps send a gift card for food or for them to order out or get delivery, mm -hmm. because the last thing that person is thinking about is feeding themselves. Mm -hmm. And if they can just order food and have it sent to them, mm -hmm. that will go a long way. If you're mm -hmm. in driving distance of somebody, just drop something off, right? Mm -hmm. Drop off a banana bread, drop off a mm -hmm. plate of ziti or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. your specialty is with the, the, the message to them of, Hey, I'm going to drop off food. No expectation. Don't want to mm -hmm. see you. Don't, you don't need to come out and say, hi, I will leave it by the door. I will text mm -hmm. you after I've left. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes the, the, the thought of actually having to go communicate oh, with somebody yes. in person in the early days, yes. is like, I don't want to talk to you, please leave me alone. Right. So yes. And that's if you're close enough and you you have that kind of relationship, right? But again, a gift card for a restaurant always goes a long way. And nowadays, mm -hmm. some of those you can even send via email, right? So you don't even mm -hmm. have to necessarily have someone's personal address uh, to, to send something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think other things are asking them and trying to get an understanding from them what it is that they need to, to be supported. And so it's mm -hmm. not being afraid to ask a, a couple of questions, right? Because mm -hmm. for me... I love when people ask me about Hadley. I love when people want to mm -hmm. talk about her, ask me about her, or how I'm feeling, um, mm -hmm. because she is my everything. And you're not going to bring up a sad memory because I think about her every day. Mm -hmm. So you're not just going to suddenly say her name and I'll be like, oh, I forgot about her, right? <laughs> just like your parent, right? We're, we're not, mm -hmm. We don't suddenly just forget about our parents. We think about mm -hmm. them all the time. And so 
actually bringing her up and asking her a question, I think goes a long way. And not always just right after the loss, remembering Mm -hmm. further down the road to also ask, Mm -hmm. hey, how are you feeling? Or thinking Mm -hmm. about a person around maybe difficult holidays, right? Mm. So for a lot of people, and I think we've started to see this trend happen more regularly, but Mother's Day and Father's Day are actually really triggering and upsetting for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure we've all seen a couple of different companies nowadays that will send the email. If you want to opt out of Mother's Day, Father's Day emails, please do so. Mm -hmm. But thinking about your your people who have either lost a parent or Mm -hmm. lost a child and letting them just a, a quick note saying, I'm, I'm thinking of you this weekend. I know it might not be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that always goes a long way. And mm-hmm. then long-term is, is remembering, trying to remember the dates. And even if you don't remember mm-hmm. the exact dates, maybe put something in your calendar about the mm-hmm. month, right? Even if you don't mm-hmm. know the exact date, but maybe the month and, and remember to maybe just reach out and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. I know February is going to be a really difficult time for you. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. And if you need anything at all, I'm here to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, depending on your relationship with the person, right? If it's if it's somebody on your immediate compliance team, mm-hmm. perhaps you could, when they start coming back to work, offer to them, hey, mm-hmm. if you're having a really hard time and you need help covering a project or a meeting or something like that, please let me know and I will help any way I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and letting them know that it's it's okay to either need to hop off of a call or Mm -hmm. to need to take a moment to walk away from their computer and and go Mm -hmm. for a quick walk outside to get some fresh air and that their team is there to support them along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the other piece is if you're a manager of somebody who has just gone through some type of trauma, loss, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, ask them if they want help communicating with the team, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want me to talk to the team for you? What do you want me to say? Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes just not even mentioning it all is, mm-hmm. is worse, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's that hundred pound elephant in the room. Like I can mm-hmm. feel it. It's sitting right here. It's on my shoulder, mm-hmm. but nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me personally, again, my boss didn't ask that. And I kind of wish she had, because I would have mm-hmm. said, could you tell our entire compliance team what just yeah. happened? Yeah. Right. Because what happened was then I came back to the, to the, the virtual office, if you will. Um, and there was just a large compliance team meeting via Zoom and somebody happened to be coming back at the same time as me who was just off of maternity leave with a living child. Oh, oh. And immediately it was very quick to be like, how's the baby? How's the baby? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me pick up the baby and put them on the screen. Mm-hmm. And that was very traumatic to me. Mm-hmm. And I just left the call because I was like, this isn't a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And so had perhaps my boss taken the opportunity to say, hey, do you want me to communicate more broadly? I would have said yes. And that whole situation probably would have been avoided because they would have been like, Jill's on the call. If we want to see the baby, let's set up a separate call, mm-hmm. do it without Jill around. She doesn't need to see that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think sometimes it's just reading the room as well where you can, right? But sometimes you can only do that if you have the knowledge to be mm-hmm. able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think those are some things, just some high level actionable things that I think people could do to be able to, to support people. And it's, it's, The other piece I will say, particularly around pregnancy loss and baby loss is Mm. remember the partner. Mm -hmm. Because I know one thing that happened a lot for my husband was that after a few weeks, all anybody asked him was how I was doing. Mm. And that was really upsetting to him because he's Mm -hmm. like, I lost a child as well. So remember, remember the partner. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have um, a non-birthing partner on your team and you know that they just went through a loss, Mm. continue to check in on them too. Don't just Mm -hmm. assume oh, well, they didn't give birth. I don't need to worry about them because that's, mm. that's a hundred percent not true. They are, they're in pain and they're grieving too. 
Absolutely. Thank you for that. These are such yeah. great ideas, really helpful. And um, I, I'm thinking for, for those of us who um, either haven't gone through the specific event or um, are just not parents more generally, these are triggering some really nice considerations for us in terms of how we can be better allies to our colleagues. And I, you know, one that I really want to hit on for a moment that I think is unintuitive, but as you were talking, makes so much more sense is that, you know, I think there's probably a lot, a lot of good intentions around people not saying, oh, Jill's not in because she lost a kid. You know, no one wants to be seen to be gossiping, getting pleasure from someone else's tragedy. And then in countries where there are uh, data privacy law regimes, it might actually be illegal to do so. But of course, um, for a data privacy, I am yet to come across, and I don't practice as strongly in this area as I once did when I worked for a data privacy authority, so please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, in most uh, regimes, consent is a way in which you can get around disclosure of information, so I love the fact that you said, hey, first off, it's actually nice for me to be asked about my child. So please, mm -hmm. you know, remember to do that. And um, you can also ask me about my preferences for how, if at all, I would like this communicated. And it really sounds like, I mean, Jill, the timing was terrible of, you know, a lot of people in this situation wouldn't have had that. That was such a double whammy uh, disaster for you that an, an, uh, another colleague was coming back at the same time. Right. And, um, was, uh, you know, jiggling their baby around the screen right in front of you. Um, and so not only is there that, but then colleagues can feel more comfortable in terms of raising it with you because the elephant in the room has disappeared because we're all aligned now. Every, you know, you know that everybody knows because you gave consent for how to do it and everybody else knows that every, everyone else knows. And so it's something that can be talked about openly and respectfully and not, you know, dancing around awkwardly which, um, as you indicated, perhaps makes things even worse. And then, of course, if there are trigger situations like what, unfortunately, um, you had to, to put up with, people can be more conscious of those and right. thinking about how to best deal with it. And, and even as a team, perhaps coming together and saying, okay, um, we, want to, we want to acknowledge and celebrate the uh, other colleagues' life-changing event um but we need to figure out a way to do that that's sensitive to jill's life-changing event which unfortunately was unfavorable thank you such great ideas and i don't have a question for you right now because i feel like it's not the best time for me to ask you how you are and us to tangentially go off and start chatting uh personally but i want to say i love the name hadley mave how beautiful <laughs> a name is that Thank you. We love it too. It's perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so let's talk about the the more broad situation. Um, for some of our listeners who this is hitting home for um, either very directly and resonating because they've gone through uh, a similar event themselves or for listeners who are experiencing other traumatizing things. And one of the, the themes that I've brought up many times on the show has been bullying and how that can have real PTSD um, uh, implications after you've left a company, um, uh, other familial loss, um, other things that are just beating someone down so much they can't bear the thought of getting out of bed right now, um, that they feel like, like they're at a total loss. They're really um, 
at their wits end. Um, what's your advice? What's your message for any of our listeners who are going through a traumatic event or experience at the moment? Yeah, so I think I have a couple of, of thoughts that come to mind there. The first is if it's a traumatic event in the sense of some type of loss or a diagnosis of some sort like that, I would say feel the pain. Don't try to, to push it aside and ignore it because it will come back 10 times worse. So actually feel what you're feeling, feel your emotions. It's okay to sit with it. And you're going to feel a bunch of different emotions and they're going to all kind of congruent together and, and form all of these different feelings and they'll come in waves and it's it's completely okay to feel it. Feel the anger, feel the sad, feel whatever it is that you're feeling and, and sit with it and let it be. Um, I, I think another thing is prioritizing yourself, right? And how you're feeling. And I think part of that part that goes with that is if you can find one right now, because I know it's difficult right now, but find a therapist to talk to. And it can also not only is it difficult to find one, it can also be difficult to find one that you are actually comfortable with and you feel like resonates with you and helps mm. you. Um, but I think that, you know, mental health is so critically important and mm. for everybody, not just for those of us who have gone through something traumatic or some type of loss, but particularly so if you're going through a really difficult time, I think having a therapist of some sort to talk through and to, to help you work through and to give you some coping mechanisms and techniques and to help you walk through what's it going to look like when you go back to work and what's your default going to be and what are you going to say and what are you going to ask for and knowing that your therapist is also there and saying, if it's really, really bad, we can write you a note so that you can take leave for another couple of weeks, right? So having that person there to support you. And I think when you go back to work is making sure you still prioritize meeting with your therapist, right? If, if you feel like that's still something you need. And if the only appointment available is 11 o'clock in the middle of the day and it's a telehealth appointment, still take it. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's a priority and block your calendar. And if you need to tell your boss, I have a standing appointment every Thursday at 11 a.m., tell them that and block it and make it a hard mm -hmm. block. And don't don't let anybody push that around for you. Say, I, I can't change this meeting. It's, it's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I, I think that's really important. And I know I certainly wouldn't have gone through without that. Mm -hmm. I think you can also try to find resources, especially in, in support groups in today's world, one where so many things are done via Zoom or some mm -hmm. other platform. Mm -hmm. um, and with social media being as prevalent as it is, you mm -hmm. can find a lot of helpful resources on on social media, whether that's mm -hmm. private groups on different social media or finding accounts that you can follow that will post things that resonate with you that just make you feel heard because mm -hmm. it's something you're thinking and then you see it mm -hmm. as on a post from somebody else and it just makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and for me personally, so I've, I've actually started sharing some of those posts on my personal mm -hmm. social media accounts just so that other people can see what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And mm -hmm. for the people that are supposed to be supporting me or are trying to supporting me, they can see what is helpful, what is not helpful. And, and I'm sharing that with them. Mm -hmm. And I think in line with that is sharing what is helpful with the people that are trying to support you. Mm -hmm. And I think that usually goes one of two ways. And one of which is the person says, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for giving me the information so that I can support you and I'm going to do better. And I'm going to look at the resources you shared with me and it's going to go really well. And they're going to be a great resource for you. And they're going to be a great support person. Um, and I think, unfortunately, there will be some people who will be offended that you're not just accepting what they've given you mm -hmm. and they're upset with you because you're offering them any type of criticism. And I think that happens Mm -hmm. whether that's related mm -hmm. to loss or anything, right? There are exactly. always going to be the people mm -hmm. 
in the compliance world, right, where we give advice and guidance to, and you have the the group A who will be like, thank you so much for that information. I appreciate mm-hmm. the guidance. Now I know what to do. I know which direction to go in. Mm-hmm. And then you will always have some people that will fall in group B that will say, mm-hmm. I'm not listening to you. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to do what's right. And if you don't get on board with it, well, that's your problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think communicating and sharing what is and is not helpful. I do mm-hmm. think that's a really great tool to help you because then you can tell people like, Hey, I've, I've asked you not to say that, or I've asked you to help me with this or to say things in a different way. And then if, if they're not willing to be supportive, that helps, you know, who you need to keep your guard up a little bit higher around, right? Mm. There may be some people you're able to say, I'm not going to communicate with you anymore. I'm taking a break, Mm -hmm. but there are some people you just don't have that option. They're a part Mm -hmm. of your life one way or the other, whether it is a work perk colleague or a family member that you can't say no goodbye to. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can at least put your guard up a little bit higher and know when you go into those situations, Mm -hmm. all right, my guard is up way high now, Mm -hmm. whatever they say, they say, and I'm just going to let it roll off because I know that they just aren't going to be supportive for me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, because then I know that I'm going to, I'm going to have a call after with Mary and she's going to be supportive and she's going to understand. And she's going to listen to me vent when I say that, you know, Susie was not helpful and Susie wasn't supportive and, Mm -hmm. and that I have the other people that are going to help and be supportive along the way. And so I think that's just really important. Um, and I think it's just learning how to speak up. It can be really scary to speak up in any environment, right? Whether it is for yourself because of Mm -hmm. trauma and pain and grief that you're going through, or if it's in a compliance situation where you see something and you're like, I don't think that's right. It's scary to speak up. It's scary to go to your manager and say, I saw this and it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Or if it is your manager that you saw do something, it's still scary to have to say, I have to go to somebody else and tell them, I think my manager did something wrong Mm -hmm. or my manager said something really hurtful and now I need to go talk to HR about it. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's difficult no matter what, but I think finding your bearings and finding the ability to speak up for whatever the situation is, I think it goes a long way and I think it will help you in the long run. But I think, unfortunately there will be situations where there's, as you said before, a bully and, I think we all just have to do our best to find our allies and find those people we can rely on to help us get over those hurdles Mm -hmm. so that we can still try to feel comfortable in our own skin to speak up, even Mm -hmm. though we may have one or two people that are bullying us. Mm -hmm. If we can find our allies along the way that can help lift us back up Mm -hmm. after those people have spoken down to us, I think that that does help a lot. I agree. And sometimes it's about facing the fact that no matter how many positives a company can have, Sometimes there are going to be deal breakers that mean that that is not the right place for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And you are not a failure for coming to that uh, realization or decision. Sometimes it is the case that we cannot make things work, whether that be a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, or in this case, an employer-employee relationship. Sometimes there are times when we have to realize that enough is enough and that we were made for better than this. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, I, I heard a therapist once say at a conference, every relationship has a beginning, middle and an end. Mm-hmm. And that relationship can last five minutes. It can last 10 years or it can last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And all of those are completely okay. And I just, mm-hmm. I've always resonated with that statement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, one thing I wanted to mention, um, and I know that uh, many of our regular listeners will know that I take pride when New Zealand um, does something of note that is very positive before other places because we're so little and new that we historically haven't really had a chance to trailblaze. But when we do, um, I will let it be known. And one of those areas is that uh, the current government and administration legislated for um, leave so that employers must acknowledge and give leave for uh, miscarriage situations or the um, loss of a child um, near and around the, the childbirthing process. So uh, that gives me hope. Um, oftentimes all you need is one to start uh, a trend, a best practice, um, and, and have others follow in that lead. Uh, of course, you need not be in a government role to effect change. So if what we've said um, resonates with you today, if you do not want to be part of an organization that is unfeeling in these moments, uh, ask yourself what you can do about it. Maybe it's a chat with HR to campaign for a policy uh, that makes life easier for parents struggling with loss and needing to have um, allowances and offerings made by the company to be a better employer, to do the right thing. And doing the right thing, sometimes it will vary from company to company and place to place. Uh, but figuring that out is something that you can start a conversation on, whether you be in compliance or HR or another area as you listen in. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about that, Jill, um, for being vulnerable, for being open and honest about it. Um, I'm grateful to you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for holding this space. I in in instinctively want to say my pleasure, um, which is usually what I say when, um, without thinking when uh, someone thanks me, but this is unfortunately with no pleasure at all that um, we have this conversation. Um, I am, I don't even think pleased is the right word. Uh, I'm grateful to be in a position where I can provide a platform and hope that the message gets out to more people. So um, wanted to make sure that we also talk a little bit about you substantively on the, in the compliance space. So let's take a moment to talk about your work um, and you've uh, transitioned to a company that is smaller than some of the ones you've been used to in the past. So I'd be interested to hear about um, some of the differences between working for uh, larger, perhaps more well-established companies versus how you need to adjust when going to somewhere that's smaller, newer, perhaps it's not even a startup anymore, but it definitely can't be a um, identified as a Fortune 500, 100-year-old um, um, legacy company at this point. So what are some of the, the, the learnings that you've had and some of the tips that you'd share? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're at one of those larger companies, I think generally speaking, the compliance program is well more established and it's more, there's a lot more about maintenance and improving current policies and practices. Whereas, you know, at a, at a smaller program, you are prioritizing and you're shifting your priorities all the time because you generally have a small but mighty team that has to wear many different hats within mm. the compliance function. And you're prioritizing what's most important and what needs to get done today, tomorrow, this month, next week versus, you know, thinking 
I have this program. I'm, it has to be set in stone and I have to do all of these things. You kind of have to be more agile when you're at a smaller company. Um, and I think for me, one thing I really like is that you do get to do many different things, right? When you're at a bigger mm-hmm. company, your compliance role is usually much more defined, right? You're in training or you're in the monitoring and auditing group, or you're a business partner. When you are at a smaller company, you are suddenly all of those things and you Mm -hmm. get to do all of those things. And for me, that makes the job even more exciting because, Mm. you know, you don't know what hat you're going to be wearing from hour to hour because at one point you're going to be advising the business. But then at another point, you may be monitoring expense reports to make sure that those all look okay. And I really like that aspect. Um, It also, when you're at a smaller company, you develop strong relationships with most of the people throughout the company because compliance usually is such a key function that you do interact with a lot of people and you get to develop just a strong relationship with people, which I always really like, I really enjoy. Um, And it then makes it easier for those people to feel comfortable coming to you and speaking up or asking questions because Mm. they start to see you as more of a true colleague as opposed to this mysterious compliance function up in the sky that, Mm. you know, I, people don't interact with as much because right when you have 130 employees, that's much different than having 20,000 employees. Right. So Mm -hmm. I get to develop those relationships and get to work more closely with a lot more people because of the size of our company. Um, but I think for me, that's, that's really what I enjoy. Right. I, I have had those moments at the bigger companies and for me, I do feel more siloed. I feel like I'm kind of being held back and that I can't do all of the things that I want to do, mm. which is why I, when I was looking for my next opportunity, I consciously made that decision to look at more smaller companies because I knew that that meant I would be able to do a lot of different things. And it allows mm. you the opportunity to touch on a lot of different things. And it really develops you and helps you grow. Um and, and so for me, I just, I really enjoy that. I enjoy being able to touch on many different aspects and being a broad compliance partner as opposed to just one specific compliance function. Mm. And you can, um, when you're in the uh, smaller companies, you can never say that's not my job because everything's your job. So. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> never that risk. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm pleased to hear that everything is going well in the new role. I wish you continued success there. I look forward to seeing you. you at our Boston compliance meetups and uh, wish you all the best. And um, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thanks so much, Mary. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.